Welcome to episode two of Bears, The Bar and Beyond, the Baylor Pre-Law Podcast. In this second episode, we're going to look at information that is relevant to all students and alumni, but is especially relevant to our junior and senior students. So let's kick it off by talking about the most important part of your application and what is potentially a very significant part of either your junior or senior year, and that is the, the LSAT the law school admissions test. Now, what is it? It is the primary admissions test accepted at all American Bar Association accredited law schools. Now, there are schools that will accept other standardized tests, and we'll talk about that in some detail, but all ABA accredited schools accept and and in fact require uh, an LSAT score. Why does this test matter? Well, it's obviously the primary test. Um, that law schools use. It is a very good indication of what your grades are likely to be in that first year of law school. And it's a good indication of ways in which you might stack up against your classmates at a particular school. But it's also at the vast majority of schools, the only thing that they use to determine whether you'll get a scholarship and how much. We're going to talk about the best time for you to actually take the test. Now, ideally, the best time for you to take the test is when you're actually ready. And ready means you've done some kind of formal preparation. It means you've done somewhere between 15 and 20 practice tests under test conditions. And my advice would be that you'd want to be consistently scoring two to three points above what your target score is, just because the pressure of the actual test day itself often sees students drop two or three points. Uh, Roughly speaking, there are two timeframes in which you would look to take the LSAT. If you're planning on going immediately to law school, the fall after you graduate from college, you're going to be looking at preparing for the LSAT in the spring of your junior year. So really what that means is you have to plan ahead. You have to make sure that in the spring of junior year, you can have a lighter course load because you're going to add to that semester's course load 10 to 15 hours a week, every week of LSAT preparation. And that LSAT prep should really start in January of junior year so that you are in an ideal position to be able to take the test in the summer slash early fall of senior year. That's option one in terms of timing. Option two is that you take it at a later date. And any of those later dates will mean that you're applying for law school down the road. Um, An awful lot of students Uh, do not go to law school straight away. You'll find that the average first year law student is somewhere between 26 and 27, which tells you that there's a lot of people who don't go straight away. Um, Those folks also have the luxury of taking the LSAT when they really are at their best. Remember that if you are planning to go immediately to law school, there is a deadline by which which you really have to have taken the LSAT irrespective of whether you're ready um, in order to stay on that timeframe. But again, there are really good reasons to pause and get the right score because you know that can have a huge bearing on the kind of school options that you have. It is possible to go to law school for free. If you are strategic and smart about where you apply, and of course, if you really are able to secure the, the kind of LSAT school that opens up those scholarship numbers. Uh, now, let's talk about Let's talk very briefly, I guess, about why the LSAT is important. As I said, it is a good indication of what your grades are going to be like, but the schools use LSAT scores as 
for the most part, the, the only factor when it comes to awarding scholarships. Why is that the case? Well, there's several reasons. Apart from the fact that your LSAT gives them a sense of where you would fit at their school academically, uh, it is a test that tests the way you think and whether the way you think lends itself to the legal thought process. The other thing is the LSAT will have an influence on a school's median LSAT score. That median LSAT has a significant bearing on rankings and the law schools care about the rankings because you do. And so whenever you can offer a school an LSAT score that is above their median, then that makes you a more attractive candidate because you can help boost their median and in turn positively affect their rankings. There are, however, some schools out there that take tests other than the LSAT. Now, all of those schools still accept an LSAT score, but there are a few that will take the GRE or the GMAT. Now, there's a bunch of reasons for why that is the case that kind of go beyond the scope of the podcast. But there's a couple of things to remember. If you have taken an LSAT and it doesn't look like it's going well and you kind of want to give up on the LSAT and try an alternative test, please remember that you will still have to report that LSAT score even if you intend on relying on your alternative test score. The other thing to remember is they're different tests. They're testing different things. They're looking for different skill sets. So a good um, GRE doesn't necessarily mean that you do poorly on the LSAT or well on the LSAT. And a, and a poor LSAT doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be testing the same things in a GRE or GMAT. Um, the other big thing is we don't have any information. We have years and years and years of reported data showing what certain LSAT scores mean in terms of class position. Uh, we have years of information in terms of scholarship awards. We don't have any information on GRE or GMAT scores in terms of what they mean for your prospects of admission or on scholarship awards. So um, if you're in a unique situation, and you're not sure what to do, please come and see, the, see me, uh, reach out and we can talk about whether or not you should look at these alternative tests. But for the most part, I would encourage you to focus on the LSAT. Um, can you retake the LSAT? Yes, you can. Um, you can take it multiple times with no more than seven attempts in your lifetime. Scores are good for five years. My advice, however, is to take retakes um, as a last resort. You should not be taking the test until you're actually ready. The good thing about the test is you can be fairly sure about what your likely score band is, is going to be with the exceptions of health interactions and severe anxiety and those kind of things. But you can predict roughly what your score is going to be. Let's turn our heads to application timeframes. So irrespective of whether you're planning to go immediately from college to law school or whether you're planning on going to law school after having gained some work experience, the application timeframes are the, are the same. We're talking roughly 1st of September, through to February or March, depending on the school. However, students really should aim um, to have their applications submitted in full as early as possible. Law schools, for the most part, in fact, the vast majority, will use rolling admissions, which means the earlier you apply, the more seats and the more scholarship money that is available to you. The later you apply, the more competitive it becomes. So sooner is better. However, 
Again, it's always better to submit a complete, well-rounded application a little later than a hurried job on the 2nd of September. As long as you have your application in um, by November, and I'll clarify what that means in a moment, you're in really good shape. Um, after November, things start to get a little tougher. Now, the advice pre-COVID-19 was that you should have submitted your complete application to all of your schools no later than Thanksgiving. Again, you can apply after Thanksgiving, but again, you fall into that time frame where it's just more difficult to do so. Post-COVID, my advice to students is to make their deadline 1 November. And the simple reason for that is, generally speaking, the wide expectation is that economic um, problems are going to persist when the, when the economy tends to take a downturn. Statistically speaking, graduate school admissions increase. So broadly speaking, there is an anticipation that getting into law school will be more competitive. And so we've moved that advisory from Thanksgiving to the 1st of November. So try and have that application completed between 1st of September and the 1st of November. Uh, let's talk about what your application actually, actually involves. Okay. So your application in its completed form will consist of a formal LSAT score or GRE, noting the issues that we raised before. It will, it will involve all of your academic transcripts um, being submitted to the LSAC, the Law School Admissions Council, uh, so that they can calculate your cumulative GPA. Those grades will include all of your Baylor grades and any dual credit courses that you took while you're in high school, not AP, but dual credit. Uh, and if you were to spend more than a year um, abroad, um, then those grades would also need to be accounted for. So your LSAT, your GPA, you will need letters of recommendation. You will need at least two. Um, if you are applying as a rising senior, those letters need to come from professors, which is why, because as we discussed in episode one, getting to know your professors is so important. Um, for more information on letters of recommendation, please go and listen to episode 10 of our podcast. You'll application will also include a resume. Um, one page is great, uh, but you can go up to two pages. Um, and that is something that needs to be tailored in a way that's different to a resume that you would normally use for a job situation. For, for information um, on resumes, um, please contact the pre-law office and we can help you kind of walk through that process. And again, we're here to help you. So, I will help you personally with your resume and your personal statements that we'll, we'll get to in a second. But remember, we're here to help you with that. Which brings us conveniently to the personal statement. It is a very tricky piece of writing. The law schools are generally going to ask you for an essay that shouldn't, should not exceed two double space pages. Um, there are situations where it may be longer, uh, but that is going to be a significant piece of your application. It is a difficult piece of writing. Eight to 10 drafts is very normal. And I've worked with some exceptional students who have had 4.0 GPAs who have really struggled with this piece of writing. So um, that is not something you're going to write in a weekend. You're going to have to plan ahead and start working on that 
working on that well in advance of your application, please go and listen to episode three of the podcast for a detailed explanation of what a personal statement is and why it matters. And remember that I am here to help you and I will happily look at your draft personal statements, irrespective of whether you are a current student or an alumni applying to law school. Um, they're going, there are going to be some schools that allow you to submit additional essays. Um, a diversity essay, sorry, a diversity essay is one such example, but there are also schools that have optional essays with separate prompts. Um, again, please go and check out episode three of the podcast if you have questions about that. And of course, do reach out to the pre-law office. Uh, in terms of generalized advice going forward, all students should have a LinkedIn account that is active and up to date. Follow me on LinkedIn so that you can uh, follow the pre-law blog articles that go up there advising on all things related to law school. Go ahead and subscribe to this podcast so that you don't miss any episodes. Remember, these first two episode, episodes, while they're just me talking, uh, are very, very different to the rest where they're interviews with people from all over the spectrum of the legal profession, um, including law enforcement, um, large law firms, small law firms, even a Supreme Court clerk. So please go and check out those episodes and please subscribe so that you stay up to date with everything that's happening. Take the time to read our weekly email. There's some great information in there on everything pre-law, but also national security and intelligence. So please take the time to, to carefully read that each week. Um, reach out for advising. You can reserve an advising appointment through the Navigate platform. Um, there are also going to be walk-in hours each week where you don't need an appointment. You can simply just come in and we can talk about your situation. Remember all of those hours and all of the details for that are going to be in the weekly email update. So it's really important that you read that and also go ahead and follow us on Instagram at pre-law Baylor. Um, the email again is a weekly thing, but just, just check out Instagram for different events, different quick videos on points of interest to pre-law students. And again, don't reach out. Don't hesitate to reach out. Um, you can contact me directly at prelaw at Baylor.edu or uh, my office number is 254-710-8919. That concludes the first two episodes of the podcast, which are, as I said, just informational points of view. They are required listening for all students who wish to be advised. Um, there are additional required episodes depending on where you are in your college journey. Again, that's all in the weekly email update. And if you have questions, reach out. If you have um, topics that you would like covered in the pre-law podcast, please let me know. And just check out the rest of the episodes that are in fact interviews with some really impressive um, folks. And it's a great resource for you to find out more about the law and more about career exploration. Uh, until next time, second bears. Thank you, gentlemen. The case is submitted.